Welcome back. Welcome back, SBC Sports Talk listeners. This is your host, Sean Coyne, back for episode two. I appreciate if you stayed tuned and listened to episode one, provided feedback. You can now find it across all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, of course. Shout out to Anchor and also Spotify Podcasts. For today, we are going to be exclusively looking at all things MLB. What I mean by that is we're going to dabble a little bit into the free agency news, and then I'm basically going to be talking Padres for the remainder of the episode. Why? Because if you paid any attention the last few weeks, the Pods and Preller have already started playing chess while everyone's playing checkers. So you're going to get your up-to-date information our outlook, and our beliefs on what this team can do this year. If you've noticed, I'm saying our. That's because I have a special guest today, good friend of mine, San Fleming, also avid Padres fans. You will get to hear his takes, his ideas on the past moves of the week prior, and his takes that I have lined up for today. Now, if you listen to week's episode one's, you, want, you heard that I had some NFL picks, and I would like to recap them for you because, well, I nailed them. Pick number one, I told you to slam the Seahawks on the road plus one against the Philadelphia Eagles. Guess what? 17-9 to victory, cash it. Pick two, I screwed up, okay? The Falcons hate me. Every time I bet the Falcons, they suck. Every time I bet against them, they win. Whatever. Falcons minus four, they lost 35-22 to the Bucks. Pick three, I also told you all to slam. Baltimore Ravens, minus three at the LA Rams. You all saw what happened on Monday night. MVP Lamar Jackson, big trust. It it was over before the game even started. So if you won money, thanks to me, you're welcome. Now, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. We're going to dive in. You'll hear from Sam, myself. Let's have a good episode, ladies and gents. Welcome back from the break, everybody. This is episode two, SPC Sports Talk. I'm your host, Sean Coyne. And today, as I introduced earlier, my good friend, Sam Fleming. Sam, say hello to the people. A little introduction about yourself. Let them know why you're here today. Appreciate you having me on here, uh, Sean. Uh, name's Sam Fleming. I'm a good, good friend of Sean here for a good, good couple of years now. Big Padre fan. Big sport fan. I uh, used to be a fan of a team that used to play football in San Diego. Sean, that's how I feel about that. But, you know, I'm excited to uh, just voice my opinion and uh, see what you guys think about what I have to say. Wonderful. Like you said, Sam said, you guys know my feelings. We talked about the Chargers a little bit last week. They did break my heart. Probably the worst way this last Sunday, like they have all season. Does um, it surprise you, though? And it came right on the heels of probably one of the worst Alabama losses since the national championship. That also – I. I dropped more F-bombs the past two days, Saturday, Sunday, as a sports fan, probably in the last year. What about my weekend? How about me, as a San Diego State basketball fan, rolling into Vegas, not too sure about, you know, what we got up on the Mesa here, Hooper-wise, because, you know, everybody says we don't have anything. And then we steamroll a good Creighton team by 30, and everybody says, oh, they're not that good. Well, Creighton came out and decided to beat Texas Tech the next day in overtime, so, you know... 
Crane's a good little team. And then we're down 18 and come back to an even better Iowa State and win Iowa team and beat and beat them and win the tournament. So, yeah. you know, State's, sports, you know, give it and take it. State's off to a hot start. Their football team is kind of teetering into the twilight, getting ready for bowl season. I don't know where they're going to go, but besides the point. Defense doesn't bring a t- – defense isn't sexy. I can just tell you that. It wins games, but it is not sexy. Exactly. So there's your little San Diego San Diego State sports preview. We might dabble into that in a couple episodes. But the bulk of our topics today, like I already addressed, that would be MLB free agency news. Now, if you're an avid fan, average fan, whatever, you probably got your Bleacher Report, MLB.com app, notification, Twitter notification, whatever, that Mike Moustakis – Signed a four-year, $64 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds. Now, if you also paid attention, Mike Moustakas has bet on himself two years in a row by signing a one-year deal because teams refused to give this guy a long-term contract. And he said, all right, whatever. I'll keep signing a one-year deal. And the Reds are like, all right, it's time to ink this dude. So personally, I think it's a great sign for the Cincinnati Reds. It shores up their infield. I'm assuming they're going to put him at second base with Suarez at third. So that means their starting infield from left to right is going to be Eugenio Suarez, obviously MVP candidate last year, good old Freddie Galvis, the Mr. Consistency at short, Moose over at second, and then Votto's got to bounce back after last year. Last year was brutal. We all know how the caliber Votto is, so you know he's going to bounce back. And then they got that rookie Nick Senzel out in the outfield. That dude can ball. So, Sam, what do you think of the Reds signing of Mike Moustakis? I think partly his agent, if, I don't know if you know this, his agent is a Boris, he's a Boris kid. Oh, I did Boris not guy. know that. I did not know he was a Boris guy. Yeah, big Boris guy. I think uh, Boris may have may not gotten him that $64 million. I don't see him as a $64 million type of type of, type of character. I see him more in the 50s, you know, a generous mid-50s. But at the same time, I like him as a player. And it's a perfect, perfect middle infield scenario. As you said, you alluded to Mr. Consistency. We have the honor, if I might, and the privilege to watch Freddie Galvis run our, our shortstop, our captain position. Up robbed the of a front. gold glove. Robbed of a gold glove. Absolutely robbed of a gold glove. And he would move up the middle. Man, they're, they're an argument for one of the best infields in the, the national well, actually, in the league, in the league whatsoever, I still agree. I would still have to argue that our boys in San Diego have, if not the best, top three for sure infield. So that's tough to crack into. But I think this is a definitely a top five, uh, top five little infield in the in the league, and it just makes the Red better. Like you said, Joey Votto's got to bounce back. He's an MVP caliber type of guy. I just think of the season they had last year. I think he just threw in the towel. He had to have. Yeah, he if, – if you looked at – like I watch breakdowns of his swing all the time, his approach with two strikes. He's one of the very few guys in the bigs that you see spread out, choke up with two strikes and try and put the ball in play. But he was like spreading out, choking up, and then still trying to lift the ball, which like which I get because Cincinnati's an absolute just freaking tank yard, which is why I also think Moose is a great freaking fit. He's going to hit – Probably thirty plus tanks in that ball field because that place that ball's like the Coors Field of the Midwest. Absolutely. And I, I, I think back to what you said about Joey Votto's, I think that he didn't have the team didn't have any other ways of producing runs. And I think he tried to do too much on himself last year and tried to instead of his natural two strike approach where he would just choke up with the ball and play, 
he tried to choke up and still hit the ball way too hard or try to swing swing for the fences with two strikes. Not like his original approach. Exactly. And, you know, I also got to give a shout out to the Reds hiring, you know, my dog, Kyle Bodie, up there from Driveline, making him like the director of pitching of something of the whole organization. Shout out to him, man. He's freaking worked his ass off. But they've hired three or four driveline guys to like spread out throughout their organization. And I mean, they got Bauer, they got Louis Castillo top three changeup in the league. They got, you know, the bulldog Amir Garrett ready to fight anybody. Like they got pieces. It's just a matter of if they can put it together and put that winning product on the field. But I digress. Both think average sign, probably a little bit too much money for moves. What is that average annually? Four for 64. What is that? One, like 17? 17. I, I think he's a 12, 12. Yeah, he's probably like a 12 to 14. But 17, I mean, if he's a Boris guy, Boris just wants his paycheck, but whatever. You know what Boris is. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. Two sneaky claims that if you're not an avid baseball guy, this just flew right over your head. Yeah, you didn't understand Just this. right over. Boom. You have no idea what this means. But the Marlins, yes, the dumpster fire Miami Marlins claimed off of waivers. Yes, just like your fantasy football league, you can just scoop them right off the waiver wire. They scooped Jonathan VR and Jesus Aguilar. Now, those names, if you're an average to below average baseball fan, you're probably listening to me going, who? Exactly. However... I'm here to enlighten you. The Miami Marlins with Jonathan VR just got a guy who came from another dumpster fire organization in the Baltimore Orioles where this dude threw up a 274 average, hit 24 tanks as a leadoff hitter, switch hitter I might add, 73 RBIs out of the leadoff spot, played all 162 games, which in this day and age, you know, load management, whatever. Um, that's impressive. And he went ahead and swiped 40 bags and had 111 runs. Now you think, when you read that stat line, you're like, well, then how, why the hell did no one else pick him up? Good question, ladies and gents. I have no freaking idea. However, Marlins... I didn't. Well, I mean, yes, but after he got picked up. So no, I didn't know. He just like all of a sudden just hit the waiver wire and I forgot to submit my claim. But yeah, I was like, what? But... We've been talking about the Padres looking at VR, seeing you know what what price tag he might be at, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, Marlins got Jonathan VR, and I'm like, okay, my bad, I guess I missed the memo. Um, so the Marlins scooped him up, probably going to pencil him in as their starting shortstop, and Jesus Aguilar. If you're a fan, you're like, oh Sean, Sam, whatever. Aguilar hit 236, 12 home runs and 50 RBIs between the Brewers and the Rays last year. Why are you excited about that? Well, in 2018, if you if you mere fans have forgotten, Jesus Aguilar was an all-star with the with the Brew Crew in 2018, hitting 274, 35 tanks and 108 RBIs. So now, if you think that the Marlins can get him back to his form, they just added you know, potential 50 home runs between the two of them almost 200 RBIs between the two of them, and you get a guy that solidifies the top of your order, can play every day, for an organization that I still think is led by a Yankee, you know, Derek Jeter, but whatever. 
You, got, what? you said one guy. It's two guys. Jesus Aguilar is a everyday first baseman. Well, yeah, but he got he he was hurt and didn't even make the postseason roster for the Rays last year. But that's because um, Yandy Diaz came back. So they like Sogard a lot. So he like didn't play a whole lot. I think that's why his stats look skewed. Like the only twelve home runs, fifty RBIs. But like that's why I'm referring to his 2018 season because that was his last full year. And if you're telling me in a full year, dude can hit 275, 35, and 100, 100 RBIs, sweet dog. Well, I'll take it any day of the, the week. Look at the year before, 2017. I'm looking at it right now. He went, uh, let's see, 265 with 16 home runs and 52 RBIs. And that's his first real season breaking into the bigs with more than 20, average 20 plate appearances. So it's even his first season in the bigs, he produced. I just think, like you said, he kind of got a tough, got hurt, and then got put behind somebody that they really liked in an organization. I like, I personally, everybody's talking about the the Villar aspect of it. Yeah, he's an everyday shortstop, but if you can get a power hitter like you can have with Aguilar and get him back to get him back to the basics and hitting in the Brew Crew. I remember when uh, good old Prince Fielder was hitting for the Brew Crew. They love their power hitting first baseman. That man loves to ride the slide after a home run. And if you put that all together for Miami, I mean, this is also the Miami team with the outfield of, was it uh, Stanton, Yelich, and... Uh, Ozuna, yeah, that's just a big rip for them. That's just a like, huge rip. I think that it's it, it, it equals almost the dumb Padre trade of, uh, what was it, uh, Anthony Rizzo, yes? Yeah, that one still so, stings. We still have, there's still some ground to make up, but hey, it's a good first step. And you know they got just a freaking loaded farm system with all the deals they made so who knows who they got i know they got that dude lewis brinson in the outfield well they had they had real muto they had real muto you know who they don't have anymore as well well yeah they don't have chris paddock because they really screwed that one up they screwed that one up thanks marlins for that i appreciate that i'll never thank you enough for that for giving me my all-time favorite starting pitcher outside of jake pv for the san diego padres Anywho, next topic. I read this last night as I was prepping for this episode, and I got rattled, to be honest. I got rattled because I saw a headline that said, will the Brewers trade Josh Hader? And I kind of sat back on the couch and went, what? Like, wh- wh- who? Wh- Hader? Like the same, you know, flowy locks, left-handed, skinny dude. That's the, that's the guy we're talking about, right? That's him? And you want to trade him? And then I, I continue to read and educate myself. It's honest. I think it depends on where they trade him. But if they get a package like similar to what the Mariners got from the Mets when they traded Edwin Diaz and Cano, maybe even a slightly better package... I mean, the Brewers are a freaking talented team. They somehow can. T- I mean, granted, the the NL Central is absolutely loaded. So personally, oh my god, so- it's about to be the NL West. The NL West, the NL Central are about to be the same because I don't mean to interrupt, but I mean look at uh, look at the the uh, blah blah blah. The Dodgers obviously great. We all know they're going to be eighty win team through uh, almost through every year in dy- in their dynasty because they are a dynasty. The Arizona Diamondbacks had a good season last year. Somehow. Minus the, Somehow. Minus the last month of the season. They were in the wild card position. 
the Giants, I mean, look at them. They were freaking about they, – they kept everybody because they were going on a postseason run. The Padres up and coming. You got the NOS, and then you got the Central, too. I, I just – I see him getting bounced out of there, but you know where I see him go? If anywhere, the Astros. Woof. Yeah, think about it. Astros know how to maximize pitching talent. Well, we know we know how they maximize pitching talent, but yeah, whatever. Their good old camera system, but at the same time, they don't have they don't really have a controllable person in the pen. Because he's got what, like three or four years left? Two, three, four. Like they have Roberto Osuna. That's about it. Who's a dog? Who is? Yeah, but could you imagine pairing him with Hater? Yeah, here Hater, you do the sixth, seventh, eighth, and then here Osuna take it for the ninth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, or if you really think about it, I, I see another team. Because the Nationals, I don't think, are going to re-sign Strasburg. I mean, I so, hope not. I hope, agreed, I hope they don't re-sign him, and I hope that he takes a pay cut, comes to San Diego, but of course that's not going to happen. Um, but the Nationals, they'll have a lot of payroll, because they're. I don't think they're going to get Rendon either. And... If they get rid of what I think they can get rid of, they will have enough payroll to go and get a hater type, a hater type arm to solidify even there. Because they'll still have controllable pitchers next year, but they won't have Strasburg. They still have a lot of their players that they can't keep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just a matter of like what prospect capital can they can they give for him? Because obviously the Brewers are either going to want MLB ready guys to like help the club immediately or they're gonna want the absolute house from the farm system which yeah and i don't think i mean at the end of the day i don't think that anybody's gonna want to give them the house and i'm gonna bet my money on him staying because they're gonna want to be because if you want to be contending you need a hater arm type in the bullpen who would you i mean just theoretically if you were going to get the padres were going to step up and try to get rid of them who would you be Expecting the parties to have have to get rid of. I mean, they would pro. I would say that they probably have to give up. Like, uh, since Grandal just left, because he he just signed with the White Sox, so now the Brewers don't have a catcher. So now I I would assume that we'd have to give up that prospect that we have apparently in like Double A or Single A or whatever that just absolutely rakes. The catcher. Yeah, I don't I don't remember his name. Like Cantillo or Cantia or something like that. Oh yeah, Cantillo or whatever. Cantillo, yeah, that guy. Because apparently that dude rakes. So I would, I can yeah, see. Did he hit like four hundred last I year? I can see him being a part of the package. Uh, they'd probably tell us to give us. They'd probably be like, "Give us one of your pitchers," because we have you know pitchers out the ass here in San Diego. Um, but it'd probably be something like that, and maybe, I mean, praise God. Hopefully they would take Myers if we just happened to sprinkle him in there, but. I don't, it'd have to be something like that, like an MLB guy, two high-level prospects, and for the contending teams across baseball, I, ugh, I don't know. I could see the Dodgers maybe because they got prospect capital out the ass, but like they still have Jansen. They love Jansen. They still want him to be the same guy even though he's not, but whatever. We dabbled into it a little bit, and for viewer discretion, just so you know, the rest of the episode we'll be talking about the Padres. So if you don't want to listen anymore, if you don't want to if you don't want to listen about the lovable losers, good day. Okay? Because we're gonna stay nice repping. We're gonna stay repping. Okay. We're gonna go in deep dive into the Padres. Deep, deep dissection of the team, the outlook, the infield, the outfield, the rotation, 
the trades, uh, potential more moves heading into the winter meetings. Um, so if you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. That's fine. You can go. But yeah, I encourage you. I encourage you all. Stay. Listen. Expand your thinking as a baseball fan. Because now we will dive into the Padres news. As avid fans, of course I was well aware of the two deals that were made last week. Deal one with the Brewers, actually. Trent Grisham, left-handed outfielder, and right-handed starting pitcher Zach Davies from the Brewers to the Padres. The Padres gave up beloved prospect Luis Urias. Bye-bye. And left-handed starting pitcher Eric Lauer. Now, Dodger killer. Dodger now, killer. Why does this trade work from a Padres perspective? Why does this trade work? It works because Grisham adds a left-handed bat to our stupid right-handed heavy lineup. He can play all three outfield positions. And if you look into it, the dude hit 30 tanks last year over AAA in the bigs. So you're telling me I'm getting a dude who's 23, left-handed, versatile and I have basically five years of control thanks why does Davies work Davies work because he's a proven starter the dude's actually a horse he's got what like I think a year and a half maybe two years left of team control like arbitration whatever you know that whole fiasco that people have to deal with and he addresses our starting pitching needs. Like, if you even remotely watched the Padres last year, you knew that outside of maybe, like, one or two days a week, it was a fiasco. So, Davies waltzes right in. I think he probably pencils into, like, a three or a four spot. But he adds a horse. We add Grisham. I think it works out great for the Padres. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm looking at Grisham's stats, like you said, in in San Antonio, he had, let's see, he had 134 at-bats. Was that AAA or double A? This is AAA. 134 at-bats and what about 51 hits, 13 tanks. Yeah, Luis Urias had an MVP caliber season God. in AAA. Yeah. He also was playing in the Coors field of the AAA. And you could see that... We had issues when he didn't fix his leg kick when we sent him down. There was rumors that he was not being coachable. There was rumors that he wasn't wanting to fix it because it was working in AAA. But you and I both seen it, saw it, Sean. When someone threw over 95 miles an hour, Urias couldn't hit the ball. If someone threw over 92 miles an hour, Luis couldn't hit the ball. And his home runs that he hit were hit 301 feet on a 300-foot fence in right field that has a porch that was built for a right-hand, left-handed power hitter. So it's it's tough. Yeah, everybody loves the Ninos, blah, 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 blah. Padres Twitter, love you to death sometimes. Most of the time can't stand you. But, you know, we're, we're a family, and unfortunately you don't get to choose your family. And... I think that, like you said, this is a win-win. Lauer was a Dodger killer. And then, yeah, Outside of everything else, he was terrible. Times. He was terrible. But against other teams, man, he threw 89 to 91 miles an hour sometimes on just lollipops that just would stay in the zone and would linger in the zone. 
And I think that if we can get a proven starter who's got a changeup that's not a paddock s changer changeup that can get better with paddock teaching him how to throw a better changeup. The fact that we'll have two changeup pitchers like that don't you don't you can't pay enough money for that. And if we can get a frontline starter like Bumgardner or I was hoping Wheeler, but he's his talks like we. Like we, I heard, are going up into the nine figures already, and I, I, we're out on that. Peace That's, out, dog. We can't afford that. That's unfortunate. But I like a Bumgarner to come in, be our opening day starter, which we'll get to later. I don't want to dive in too much, but like you said, I think it's a win. We won. We got a we got a left-handed batter. Oh my goodness! Thank God. Thank God. We didn't have any. Oh my goodness. Was Franchi? But are we going to count on Franchi? That man is made of glass. Left and death made of glass. Now, did the Padres win the deal? If you've been listening, the answer, from our perspective, is yes. 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 Now, will something probably happen like it always does in Padre trades? Guarantee Luis Urias probably down the road will ramble off like three all-star seasons. Why? Because that's the kind of shit that happens to the Padres. But in the fut- when I'm staring this trade in the mirror, I'm looking nearsighted right now. It's a win. It's, it's hands down a win. If we're going to lose this trade... I think if we're going to lose this trade, it's going to be from Lauer being a relief, one of a, a good relief pitcher, an, an, an all-star relief pitcher yeah, down the road. Yeah, some, something stupid. Because Urias, I just, as much as he's a better, it's bad when you're a better fielder than you are a hitter in the bigs, because that's not going to keep you around. But yeah, so, second deal of the previous week. Second base, utility, kind of switch hitter, kind of does everything. Former number one prospect, Jerickson Profar from the Oakland Athletics, gifted to the San Diego Padres for one Austin Allen. Now, if that name doesn't ring a bell, that's because he's boo-boo. He is literally boo-boo. I get credibility in saying this because I swear every single time I saw the dude come to the bigs and got an at-bat, it was a rollover to second base or a rollover to first base. Pencil it in. Lock it. It was There was no hope. Now, if I wasn't watching the game, I'd look at the box score, and I'd be like, oh, Austin Allen, two for three, whatever, an RBI, this, that, and the other. If I watched it, nope, guess what happened? Rollover, rollover, rollover. And we already have a catching problem as is. Dude wasn't going to play. Peace out. Thanks. Now, why does this trade work for the Padres? We add another left-handed bat, switch hitter, but, you know, left-handed bat to our right-handed heavy lineup. We just filled the need that we just created at second base, so thank God I don't have to watch Ian Kinsler again. Profar immediately pencils into second base. Austin Allen wasn't good. And now... We free up more room for Cantillo or whatever if we keep him to move up in the ranks. So if we, you know, say sayonara to my good old buddy dog, Austin Hedges, you know, he may slide up into the bigs behind Mejia. But did they win the deal? Duh. If you if you know anything remotely about the Padres, duh. They won the deal. It addressed a need. It got rid of a problem. And it adds to the momentum that we are already gathering because Preller is playing chess it, it, extreme chess well the rest of the league's playing checkers so I don't know where you're at with this but I freaking yeah, loved it 
I'm 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 pretty excited here. I mean, we got a I got a career 709 on base percentage, second baseman. I mean, we need our second baseman who's a switch hitter now. Wow, we can we got a, like you said another left-handed bat. Goodness gracious Almighty! Wow, I just like you said I can remember Austin Allen getting one hit in Colorado in that game where that never wanted end where Tatis had had the hardest single of our season. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, that was the only time I remember Austin Allen getting a hit. Can't can't think of him getting a hit at any other time, any stints in the any of the bigs. You would pencil him in, in the seven hole. Realistically, the only time the seven hole wasn't wasn't an out was when Mejia was in, and if you had Mejia Kinsler the pitcher or Mejia Urias the pitcher, you're going eight, one for nine, three. Nine, oh, ten for times three. that's one two three. Yeah, it was it was horrific. And the fact that we still won as many games as we did just kind of shows you how good our one through six really was at the time and how much better we're going to be next year that we can plug this guy kind of guy in. Yeah, he's got, what, a 203, 234 career batting average, but he's had some seasons. He had a 254 season in Texas where he hit, I believe, uh, 20 home runs. He had 20 home runs last year. I mean... You're telling me you can add 20 bombs to our Padre lineup that we already set the franchise record last year for home runs? I mean, with our leading home run hitter not hitting, what, eight, nine, the whole second half of the season? Oh, yeah, Fro? Yeah, Fro had, like, freaking, like, six home runs in the second half. It was brutal. But, exactly, so, obviously the Padres made other moves. We got Pomeranz. You know, love Pomeranz. I loved him before we traded him to Boston. I was sad to see him leave. I'm really happy he's back now that he's a bullpen guy. So those are three deals so far. We're not even at the winter meetings, and Preller's already freaking turning the roster over. I love it. I love Ting. I, I mean, Profar is a guy in Texas that apparently Preller loved before, when he was there. So I think he wanted to go get another one of his guys that he liked earlier in his career, bring him here because he knows what he can do, and he thinks maybe Ting can maximize that potential, that that former number one prospect status. Do I think he's going to like fill up to like that Tatis, Guerrero type stuff? I don't know. But do I think King and Preller maybe get him closer? They obviously saw something in him, and obviously everyone saw something in him at one point, being a number one overall prospect. He's just got to put it together. Now, he's got to play like it. Exactly. So now, moving in to the outlook from a fan, you know, podcaster, analyze or whatever of the Padres heading into the winter meetings what are our needs what do we still need to address what what are some things that I think are going to happen well we still need that frontline guy we still need that frontline starter that number one number two we need that guy that's got the experience got the postseason pedigree got this got that is a horse 200 innings pencil men 30 starts someone that we know is going to go out there every fifth day and just be a dog now, you guys heard me in the last episode. There are dogs out on the market. It's just a matter of, is Uncle Ronnie going to open up the checkbook again? And judging by what's been going on this offseason, I think they might open it up. I don't know how far they're going to open it up. But I think he's going to crack open his little you know, safe in the bank, and he might pull some money out again. Do I think it's going to be the likes of a Hosmer Machado deal? I have no idea. Because I have no idea what to expect with Preller. But the follow-up to that is, what the hell is going to happen to Will Myers? What the, what the hell is going to happen to Myers? Because if you read into things way too deeply like myself, 
And if you notice through all the Padre promos of the Brown is back, all the guys repping the uniforms, if you noticed, there was one one starter, one, one guy who wasn't in any of them. And that would be Will Myers. So you think to yourself, like I said, thinking into it way too deeply. Why? My, I mean, we're paying him 20 mil. You can't put him in a promo. You can't put him in the brand new look, the pennies, the brown top, the freaking brown and gold. Nope, nope. We're not even going to put him in at all. Why? Because his ass is gone. How much of the contract we're going to eat? I have no idea. But he's gone. gone. He's gone. He's gone. gone. There's, I, I cannot see a scenario where we just don't keep him. The only thing that I can think of is that we're going to ask the other team to eat too much of the contract and that we're not going to want to eat as much as they want, and that might piss teams off and, you know, we might have to get crippled with another year of Will Myers. Granted, I love the guy. He's a gritty, no-batting-glove kind of baseball player. He was an AL Rookie of the Year. We got him in that monsoon offseason when Preller first got here. I still think he can play. It's just a matter of him... I mean, he hated Andy Green, so maybe the new manager, maybe they'll keep him around, give him a chance. I don't know. But if Myers stays, our outfield outlook is still a problem. That means if Myers were to stay, and we're going to look into the season, our outfielders that can be on the opening day roster, which is feasible, Margot, Myers... Renfro, Grisham, Naylor, and Cordero. That is six outfielders on an opening day 25-man roster. That is way too much. Way too much. Wait, don't forget about Taylor Trammell that's coming up. We got... Well, I mean, he's, he's a year away or so. I'm just thinking opening day 2020. There's yeah. a potential for six outfielders that could be contending for spots. That's nuts. That's ridiculous. But I still think, as of right now, my starting lineup, and I know you're going to laugh, <laughs> we're going to have Trent Grisham, who will bat up towards the top of our lineup, for sure. I have him in the two-hole, personally. I have him two-hole. Then I'm going to have Hunter Renfro, because, you know, he's our power outfield hitting now, because everybody didn't want to see that last season and wanted to start a horrible Fran Reyes, who I... Anytime someone hit the, f- anybody hit a fly ball to him, I could, couldn't even watch because I didn't know what was going to happen. And then my other starting center fielder is going to be Franchi, and I just I like Trent at right field, and I like Franchi in center. But granted, you can interswap interswap him. It doesn't really matter to me. But if Franchi can stay healthy, I think those three guys are a great top three. Got great top three to go with our. I mean, our infield is locked down and guaranteed. Profar is going to bat eight hole for me. You know, he's going to do what he's going to do. And if that's our eight hole hitter, flipping with Mejia as our starting catcher, and obviously Machado, um, Tatis, Profar, and uh, Hosmer. I mean, man, you throw Paddock on the mound, you get a frontline starter, which I think we should be going to get Bumgarner. I mean, if you really think about it, Bumgarner still. He's only 30 years old. People think he's way older because he's been around for so long. But, man, they brought him up. I think another – I like to go get a Porcello if we can get him for a cheap 
you know, that'd be a good frontliner for get him maybe on a lower end. Is he a free agent? Of, yeah, he's a free agent this year. Woof. What about Aaron Sanchez? What about him? People are forgetting about, about him. Guy. He's only 27. I don't know about that guy. Uh, we can always – like, I'm looking at some of the names. Omar Despagne, like, oh reportedly joining a Korean team. Like, you know, there's plenty of – there's plenty of guys out there that we that we can get. I I I think my I think obviously if we can get Strasburg, yeah, let's obviously go and get Strasburg. But the reality the reality is people think we should go get Garrett Cole. Not gonna happen. Guys, Not gonna happen. I, I argue with have, this all the time. Not gonna happen. It's not yeah, gonna happen. we don't have any chance. Uh, that's not gonna happen. And then we still probably don't even have a chance to get Strasburg. Wheelers. Wheeler's looking nine figures. That just means Ryu's going to go even the same price. Um, Bumgarner is where we're looking. Maybe Michael Pineda. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Once you get once you get past those top five, top four names, it just you think you think about where they were and how they performed, and you're like, well, Ryu was great in L.A. But it's like, how long is he going to be able to keep that up? You know, obviously he's, he's got three years old. Obviously he's got the injury history, the shoulder rotator cuff, whatever the hell it was. Um, I'm looking. If I'm us, and this is going to sound, I'm telling you, I'm looking at Bumgarner. I think we Bumgarner and us are in the same kind of price range, and I think we can go out and I think we can get somebody like a a, a Porcello. Like, granted, Kutel, uh Kuchel, I can't pronounce his last name on the board. Keichel, God, there it is. Keichel's on the board. But He's going to ask you too much money. After what he wanted last season and how long he sat, I think he's going to sit for just as long. He didn't even do that well last season for the Braves. Yeah, but anyway, circling back to the outfield, you already gave yours your, out, your opening day outfield prediction. Opening day. I believe it's March 26th at home, one ten game against the Colorado Rockies. So that has me thinking, opening day starter for the Rockies is probably John Gray, if he doesn't leave, or Kyle Freeland, who's left-handed. So I'm going to think, so I basically have two opening day projections, is if the Rockies keep John Gray and the righties is starting, you know, starting pitcher, I think we're going to go fro and right, Hunter Renfro and right, Trent Grisham in center, and a Myers, if he stays, if not, I, I'm going to put Grisham in left, and I'm going to put Cord Franchi in, in center. So basically pretty much similar to yours if we face that righty. Now if we face a lefty, I think we're going to go Hunter Renfro, Manny Margot in center, and then Grisham in left, because we all know Margot rakes lefties. He just has the problem with the righties. So those are kind of my two little way too far looks ahead. If we're facing the Rockies, those are probably going to be their two guys. I don't see them going and making a huge splash in free agency because um, pitchers hate playing there. But anywho, moving forward, looking ahead at the infield, you touched on it a little bit. Left to right, $300 million man, May Machado. Our Jesus Golden Child, Fernando Tatis Jr. Soon to be $300 million man. Jerkson Profar at second base. Eric Hosmer at first base. Wow. Wow. Name me a better infield. Like, wow. Like, just, just, it, it, that's, like, yeah. 
whatever. I'm biased. But that is hands down top three left side of the infield in the bigs. Hosmer, yeah, all the Padres, Twitter, fandom, whatever, wanted to bash on Hosmer last year. I still freaking loved him. He finally produced almost at 100 RBIs, hit like 280-something, 20-something. Did he get to 30 home runs? If not, he was close. Had 20-plus. You're telling me out of, my, out of my everyday first baseman, I can get 280, 20 to 30, and 100 RBIs? Dude, that's what, that's what we paid for. And everyone, oh, but defensively, defensively, oh, whatever, bro. Like, Hosmer's a dude. He's going to play. Like, he's going to play 160, 155 to 160 games. You know, yeah, if he can get back to that gold glove caliber, you know, whatever. But that infield's disgusting. Do I think there's any more changes? Maybe. I mean, everyone's been saying that Preller's not done looking at second base. I don't know who the heck he's planning on bringing in, but if he's not done looking, I'm holding out. I, I still think something big can happen. I just don't know what else could, could feasibly happen. That's what I'm saying. So it's 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 difficult to look at it from there. But just as it stands, that's a freaking headlining infield. That's going to sell tickets, put butts in the seats, bring height to the team. Everyone's going to get excited. I'm excited for that. Moving into the rotation, pitching staff, whatever. The Padres still need a number one and number two. I thought about it last night. If I Basically, I said, if you handed me a depth chart and said, Sean, fill out our starting five pitching rotation for the San Diego Padres for the 2020 season as stands right now. And I thought to myself, okay, opening day with the pitchers we have right now, I'm putting Garrett Richards as the opening day starter. Why? He's been there, done that. The dude still has electric stuff. I get he's got the elbow problems, but as of now, he is our most experienced, best all-around guy, talent-wise, out of the five guys. So I had him going day one, one ten start against Colorado, March 26th, Garrett Richards. Number two, nothing changes. The Sheriff, Big Tex, Chris Paddock in the two-hole. Why? Because he's a freaking dog. Oh, he No, dude, if you look at his complete rookie season, complete stats, all the crap he had to go through, getting sent to Lake Elsinore for freaking 10 days, coming back and just shoving it down kids' throats, the change-up's electric, throws 94 to 97, only going to get better. I pray to God he adds a slider in the offseason. I, I hope Ballsy told him that in his exit meeting. But even if, if he stays with the three-pitch mix, if he gets that curveball better, he's still an electric two with the potential to be an ace down the road in his career. I'm so happy we got him. In the three-hole, I went back and forth between Davies and Lamette, and I thought, if our three-man rumbling out of the gate is Garrett Richards, who throws upper nines, Paddock, who throws mid to upper nines, I'm throwing Lamette in the three-hole because that dude is a front-line potential starter that, yeah, he had the TJ whatever, but he has the most electric fastball slider combo I've seen in years. Not the most. Obviously, you get Garrett Cole and Scherzer and all those guys, but, like, for the Padres' perspective, it's the most electric fastball slider combo yeah, what, I've seen in years. Last year in the game. Yeah, against Seattle. He just needs to work on throwing strikes. Yeah, and his pitch count goes through you know, the roof. You, you, you alluded to it. He had tight TJ surgery. 
I'm okay with his walks percentage because it's his first year. Then again, if he comes out and does that this year, that's where we have a problem. For me, I agree with you. You finish where you're at because there's only two other pitchers that we could put a plug in there, and they're interchangeable for the four or five for me. Yeah, I put Davies in the four and then Lucchese in the five. I don't know if the, I don't know if they'll move Lucchese down that far because he's the one consistent guy we had last year. But like, if you line him up talent wise, Lucchese's the fifth best starter in that rotation. Um, I made a little note underneath, so that means obviously Cal would be out of the rotation. But I still think Cal is a better oh shit guy out of the bullpen. Oh god, one I, of our, one of our, I think Cal's a good long reliever. Yeah, like the oh shit, our starters pooping himself. Cal, go bridge us to the back of the bullpen. I agree. And I think, as a Padre fan, I think uh, as us known to be doing stupid shit, don't be surprised if Lucchese's going to get the ball on opening day. Yeah, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. And don't be surprised if our rotation on opening day looks like Lucchese, uh, throw Davies in the two-hole because he's been there, then put Paddock in the three-hole or something stupid. like I don't know. Yeah. I hope. We don't uh, we don't have balls no more, right? Balls isn't balls isn't coming out of the pen for us no more, right? Uh. Bosley isn't our pitching coach. No, I don't know if they kept him. Yeah, like balls would do something like that, and I love you know balls was a good good Padres pitching coach, but did we really truthfully, if we can be honest here, as true Padres fans, did we ever really develop a pitcher besides Jake Peavy out of our like we have we have all the hype. We always get the hype in the farm system, but it never well, like seemed to really translate. And never really, yeah, never. Remember well, cash we got in the trade. The next coming to Jesus, he was average. Perdomo um, was average that we fight. Uh, Colin, remember Colin Ray? How everybody was all up on Colin Ray? Perdomo. Out, we Perdomo. all know my thoughts on Perdomo. Like you get these players. I mean, Balls was a good game operator. I would imagine coming in and out of the bullpen, but as developmental wise. And then obviously, you gotta. If you're a Pods fan, you're waiting, so patiently waiting for the day that I get that notification. That I get that notification that says, number one overall prospect, left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore set to make his debut at home versus X. Oh my God, he's coming. I'll be there. He's coming. I don't know when. But he's coming. And who's going to come with him? Oh, Luis Patino. Electric Factory. Throws clubs. People realize, I don't think the casual baseball fan realizes how scary, not only are the Padres going to be offensively in the next coming years, but more importantly, Padres bullpen is will be a absolute fuel station smoke show just fuel station like can you imagine having getting beat up by paddock for seven innings right paddock seven innings then you got munez coming in the eighth or patino in the seventh munez in the seventh patino in the eighth we're throwing 102 104 in your face and then you have kirby who should have who should have been reliever of the year, which is the year, which is ridiculous to me, absolutely ridiculous to me. Because if you look back in the last ten years, how many save, how many closers had forty six saves? Uh, the save leaders, it was the, it's been the high thirties the last five six years, and I think in the last ten years maybe it was two guys have had more than forty six saves, and and they all won closer of the uh, reliever of the year. How Kirby didn't win it, I don't know. 
Granted, also, how Cody Bellinger won MVP blows my mind. Anthony Rendon, MVP, caliber year. He hit over 330 because he didn't hit 40 home runs, whatever it was. He won them that. Him and Soto at the top of that lineup with Strasburg coming off and Scherzer in the in, uh, they won them that. Those four guys won them that World Series. Exactly. And Bellinger exactly. to come in here and do what he did in the playoffs. He was like two for eighteen at one point. That's not my MVP. Not yeah. my MVP. But exactly. So that right there, ladies and gents, wraps up our complete in-depth pods breakdown. Looking from their moves potential moves infield outfield rotation outlook and before we move into our last segment and our conclusion i have a little uh a little insider info from a source that will be remained unnamed that confirmed with his or her own eyes that on sunday the last day of the links which is, for those out there, is a little golf event hosted by Callaway at Petco Park, that one Steven Strasburg was sighted in the building headed to go meet Peter Seidler and A.J. Preller at the elevator to head into the front office building. I'm not kidding. And when did this happen? This was Sunday. And notice how there were no reports... There were no there were no leaks, but like I said, my source is gonna remain remain nameless because that's that's what you do in this business. You keep your sources integrity for leaking Absolutely. information. But you tell me, guys, he's in the building. What are you gonna do? You're gonna open up the freaking book and go, son, write the number. We'll make it work. We'll sell a couple houses, a couple farms, whatever. But if he's in the building, I get, oh, Strasburg and Garrett Cole are meeting with the Yankees. Everyone knows about that. But did anyone know he was in the building on Sunday? Shh. Just, just keep that in the back of your mind, ladies and gents. Just keep, just keep it there. Just keep it there. Because you heard it here first on SBC Sports Talk. You heard it here first. Now, last segment. Our way too early predictions for the San Diego Padres. For the 2020 Major League Baseball season. For me. Right now. After the moves we made. The potential moves we have. I wrote in. That I thought the Padres were going to come in second in the West. Because I can't see the Dodgers imploding. Ballpark. 83 to 87 wins. Which puts them over 500. Which we haven't done since. You know. Nom. 83 to 87 wins. They're in the hunt for a long time in the wild card, but I think towards the end we might miss it by a few games. But if we're winning 86, 87 games, I can tell you Petco Park's going to be rocking all season long. What about you? What are your predictions? I got to hear these. Well, I'm a little bit more. I'm sorry, what was your uh, number for wins? Second place in the West, in the hunt for the wild card. 83 to 87 wins. That's that's going to be my my bracket that I think they're going to fall. My over. bracket's a little higher than yours because I believe we're going to go get two pitchers. Okay. I believe that we're going to go get Bumgarner and we're going to go get somebody else. We sure as hell 
after what you just said, you're as you might as if I might chime into to sources and such. It's a very reliable source that I might add to because it has been correct in previous instances. Um, uh, my bracket starts at we're gonna on the low side we're gonna be eighty six wins. Oh. On the high side, we're going to be at the 92 wins, where we win the division, where we outrightly win the division. I can see it happening with the lineup we have, because I think Profar is going to have a absolute turnaround season where he's going to mash 25 bombs. He's going to hit 280. He's going to solidify that infield as that position that we never had. Think about an additional 35 to 40 runs from our second baseman. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. And as well as not having... Um, imagine having a a frontline starter come out, not Nick Margavich. Oh God! Every fifth day. So I would think that I, I think we're going to eighty set. I see a playoff run is in the future if if we do what I believe that Uncle Ron, as we know, what we might change his nickname to if he gets Strasburg. Um, BD Ronnie. BD Ronnie, uh, I think he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. I think the brown uniforms is going to be a huge attraction to these free agents because they look like they look good when they and everybody wants to look good. And the best part is we're going to play good. We have the face of future of the MLB with Tatis. We got Machado on the left side. We got a Gold Glover who's going to get back to Gold Glove first baseman, and when he stops deciding to be a flashy piece of shit at first base and just make the play. Point. And I think our outfield's solid. I think I said that we're going to ninety six to eight. Excuse me, eighty six to ninety two wins is my bracket, and I think that we are playing in October next year, and I think the I think that we have a chance to do what the Nationals did and just surprise everybody in the postseason. I like that. I like that. I'm not saying we're going to win the World Series. I'm just saying I think we're going to win a postseason postseason game or series. I think it's going to be fun in October in San Diego for the first time in a long time this season. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, for those who stuck through it, for those who are still here, that concludes episode two, SPC Sports Talk. Again, I'm your host, Sean Coyne, special guest, Sam Fleming. Broke it down today. We got into the nitty gritty, gave you a little nugget of info. We will be back. I will be planning episode three. You will be able, again, to find this on Apple Music Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, Anchor. Guess what? I screen recorded this entire video, so we will have our very first video on YouTube, unedited. All You see the natural reactions, the mannerisms. You see it all, ladies and gents. I got up and moved in the conversation to let my dog out. You can watch it happen. It, it, you're going to get it all, folks, and I just can't thank you enough for those who tuned in to Episode 1, who tuned in to Episode 2. I can't wait to see if this, you know, fan base, whatever, uh, continues to grow. Uh, again, you will catch this on YouTube. Type it in, SBC Sports Talk, Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, Anchor. Check it out on YouTube. Please leave. There's the woofer. There she is. Please, please give us some feedback. We'd love to hear it. Rude, positive, whatever. Let me hear it. I can take it. I'm not a freaking snowflake. Let me have it. Let me hear it. Let me know what you want to hear in upcoming podcasts. Let me know what you want to, if you want another guest, you know, what, what topics you're looking for, anything under the sun. 
leave it in the comments, subscribe on YouTube, whatever, do it all. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Till next time. Deuces.